Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Well, good morning again, church. If you got your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them up with me. If you have a Bible, if you don't, no problem. We'll also have it on the screen. But uh, if you got your Bibles, I want you to go with me uh, to Deuteronomy chapter 5 is where we're going to begin this morning, Deuteronomy chapter 5, and then we're going to end today all the way at the end in Habakkuk chapter 2. If you came in this morning and did not receive a message card, it looks like this. You can raise your hand, and David, one of our ushers in the back, will be glad and kind, uh, is so kind to serve you. I think maybe everyone has one, and of course, this is always online as well, and um, you know, if it's a blessing to you, God's Word is a blessing to you, you know, one of the cool options version is that you can share. You can share that, and you can use that to social media and share with people that are in your life, but I want to want to begin this morning and, um, and starting a brand new message series this weekend that we're calling The Reset. Can you say that with me? Say The Reset. Now, i got to be honest with you. I've been waiting to do this series for, uh, for quite a bit, quite a bit of time. I'm extremely, extremely excited about it, and um, I'm ready to go down this road together. And here's why. Can I tell you why? I want to tell you from the outset. I have, I have a really strong burden in life. It's probably my strongest burden. If God has called you to make Dwelling Place Church your home church, then that means that I as a pastor, I'm one of the co-pastors, the other co-pastor, Pastor Chad, I as your pastor, that what that means for me is I have a responsibility. And when I get to heaven, whether or not you know this or not, God is going to look at me and he's going to ask me what I did to help you down the path that God has set before you. God won't actually just speak to you. Did you know that about your path? He actually speaks to the leaders who are called to empower you for your path. He does. He'll speak to your pastors. He'll speak to spiritual leaders in your life. And and so I have this great kind of responsibility, but also this great passion. And when we start off a brand new year, I felt that God, you know, wanted to speak to us about the reset. Living life with no regrets. Not living life with the regret of yesterday. And so many people, again, they start a brand new year with old habits. Nothing seems to change. And it's in our natural sense, you know, in our world, January 1 represents, for our church world, it's usually August 1. But for the natural world, it's, it's January 1. People start again. You know, the gym filled up already this last week with New, new Year's resolutioners, right? Now, they'll only be there for a few days or a few weeks, and you'll have your gym time back, right, free from all the crazy people that don't know how to use the machines. But nonetheless, when a new year presents itself, we, we've, we, we have this natural tendency to want to reset, to start things anew and afresh. And, and so as I was beginning to prepare for what God would say through the reset, I, I, I started thinking about how we are called to re-examine the path that we took in 2016. It's time to re-examine the path that we took so that we know the path God's asking us to take in 2017. And uh, I know it's astonishing, but in 10, 12 years of Christian ministry, I have come to realize that people do not even know that God created them out of all the people in the world to walk a path that no one else ever gets to walk down. That is to say that God has a clear path for you. When you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you forsook yourself, you denied yourself and took up your cross. Jesus already had a cross on the road in front of you. 
And the trajectory for one person's life in Christ looks very much different than maybe the path in somebody else's life. And so what I want us to do in kind of this series is I want to help all of us to understand what God's path looks like, especially in comparison to our own path. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later today. And I want to tell you from the outset, we're going to cover a lot of scripture in this series. Let me tell you why. Because God Almighty has set a path before you to walk down. And all of the dreams, not some of the dreams, I'm talking about every dream, every single dream that he has put in your hearts, every dream and ambition and desire God has placed deep within you, every one of those can only be realized on the path that God has set before you. There is no way in heaven and there's no way in earth that God will allow you to walk out one of his dreams on one of your own personal paths. You won't ever receive it. You'll never achieve it. You'll never simply walk out what he has for your life. So here's the verse for today. It's one verse, Deuteronomy chapter five. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, verse 33. This is what the scripture says. Stay on the path. Everybody say the path. That the Lord your God has commanded you to follow. It's not a suggestion. He tells you, commands you to stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to walk on. Then, then is indicative or then is only true if the first is, is a reality. Then you will live long and prosperous lives in the land, he says, that you're about to enter and to occupy. The title of today's message, if you're taking notes, is Reexamine Your Path. Reexamine your path. And what we're going to do over the next few moments is we're going to walk down through, uh, walk through, I should say, three of the biggest objections, maybe I could call them frustrations, to walking down God's path in our lives. Because some of us maybe are in the room and we're still not too convinced that God's path is better than our own path. That God's path is better than what we've even dreamed up to be God's path. And I believe that most of them, if not all three of them, will hit home for you because they are some of the biggest frustrations, objections we have when God asks us to abandon our path for his. Number one, number one frustration we find with God's path, re-examining the path God has laid before us, is that your path doesn't look like everyone else's path. Your path doesn't look like everyone else's. One of the biggest frustrations when it comes to the objections of abandoning our path for God's path is when we begin to compare our path to everybody else's path. Now, there's two sub-points of why, uh, why that's so frustrating, why that's so difficult when we compare our path to somebody else's path. Two major frustrations. Number one sub-point is their path looks prettier. I gave a few giggles there, right? Because that's true. Their path looks prettier. Listen to Psalm 73. This is King Asaph speaking of someone else's path. Psalm 73, verse 2, he said, But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, he says, and I was almost gone. Notice this. I was almost gone. My feet were slipping. Why? He said, for I envied the proud. My feet start slipping when I start looking at somebody else's path. He said, for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. I know you've never talked like this way to God. 
God. So I'm just going to preach to a few of us in the room, okay? So those few, if I can just get an amen every now and again, all right, I'll just keep on going. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else is. Now notice that. Their path looks prettier. Notice he says, for I envied the proud. You know what that means? That means that my feet will start slipping when I start comparing my path to someone else's apparently prettier path. My feet start slipping. Now, I know when you hear Asaph's prayer, I know it sounds like a whiny baby, right? It sounds like a toddler, to be honest with you. And I know, I know that I know that I know that you have never sounded like that to God, all right? I know that you're way too dignified to ever let those type of prayers or words come out of your mouth, right? I know you're too dignified to ever compare your path to someone else's prettier path. I know you would never do that. I'm just kind of giving it out there in case you do it sometime in the future. I know you've never been called red-handed, staring at how green the grass is on someone else's lawn on social media. I know you've never done that. I know you've never been caught sitting in your chair, keeping your eyes preoccupied and focused on somebody else's prettier path. Or maybe, maybe you've paid way, way, way too much attention to how pretty their lawn looks compared to your lawn. Here's something I learned. The grass is never greener on the other side. Did you know that? I'm, I'm be honest with you that when it looks greener, they just cheated and used spray paint. I'm just telling you. There is no such thing as greener grass, all right? And if there is greener grass, stop staring at theirs and start watering yours. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, and, and if there is greener grass, maybe it's because their grass is on top of a septic tank and you don't see, see all the doo-doo they deal with every day, if you know what I mean. There's no such thing as greener grass. If it's greener or appears greener, they use spray paint. There's no such thing. Asaph was caught red-handed like you and I are sometimes. Their path looks so much prettier. It always looks prettier in the front of the store, right? The storefront until you go into the warehouse and you see they're just like you. Yeah, they may have a little more than you of something in, in the same area or the same type, but they're just like you. It appears way prettier. And one of the dirtiest tricks of the enemy is to try to get you so focused on someone else's path. And why does the enemy want to get you so focused on someone else's path? Here's why. Because if he can get you focused on someone else's path, he can get you to fall off of your path. If he can get you so focused on someone else's journey, he can get you to fall off of your journey. It's one of the most subtle tricks of the enemy, but it's a very dirty trick. How much time do you spend comparing the prettiestness, if that's a word, of someone else's path to your own path? That's the first sub-point of comparing your path. Here's the second sub-point. Their path looks easier. That one probably gets more of even a chuckle than the first one. Their path looks easier. Yes, let's just make the confession. There are some people who take the easy way out. But let me ask you a question here in 2017. Would you rather have the easy way to nowhere or the challenging way and the challenging road to all of God's dreams for your life being fulfilled? That's a great question. See, the only time we want the easy road is when our road ends up being a bit harder than what we signed up for. That's when we want the easy road. And so when we see that our path is more difficult than expected, we say, 
Well, their path looks easier, so let's just make this plain. Ready? I want to free us up in 2017, and I hope this makes a lot of sense to you. Very, very simple for all of us, myself included. The road God asks you to walk is always, always, always going to be more challenging than what you expected. So let's just accept that, and then once you get over that, once you get beyond that, then you won't spend another day of your life worrying about someone else's path looking easy. The only time you look for another person's path to be easier than yours is when yours gets difficult. So let's just make the confession, our path is always going to be difficult, and it's always going to be more challenging than we ever expected. Listen to me. Some say, well, they make it look so easy. That person makes it, that pastor makes it look so easy. Or that, that person, my job, my job, that person on my job or my boss makes it look so easy. Well, listen to me. Some of the mature in Christ make really difficult paths look easy. But that's very different than taking the easy way. Listen to me. It takes a lot of work and sacrifice to make difficult assignments appear easy. And the most mature leaders do that all the time. But that's different than taking the easy path. The easy path is different than a mature leader making a difficult path seem easy. Okay? Their path looks easier. Their path looks more comfortable. Now, that's a good goal, right? Making a difficult path look easy, but no good comes from the easy way. Philippians chapter 3. I love the way the message does this. Philippians chapter 3. Here's one of the things I've noticed about the easy road. Notice what he says in Philippians 3, beginning in verse 17. He says, stick with me, friends. Keep track of those who are, you see, running the same course, headed for the same goal. Catch this, church. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, trying to get you to go along with them. I told you last week, God has a plan for your life, and everybody else has a plan for your life. The question is, whose path are you going to follow? And he says, there are many out there taking these paths. I've warned you of them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is easy street. They hate Christ's cross. And catch this one-liner. This might be the one-liner of Eugene Peterson's life in the message translation. You ready? But easy street is a dead-end street. I like that. Easy street is a dead-end street. Those who live there make their bellies their gods. Belches are their praise. And all they think about is their appetites. My God, he just described our 21st century consumeristic culture. That's a different path. The easy path is a dead-end street. Listen to me. Listen, here's what I've learned. One of the things I've noticed about the easy road is that any time I find myself on an easy road, I am most likely on the wrong road. Any time I find, Craig, I came to church on January 1 to be encouraged. That's depressing. I thought it was going to be easy. No, 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 no. Anytime I find myself on an easy road, I'm most likely on the wrong road. Well, I wish I could, I could disagree with that theologically or scripturally. Well, listen to me. Don't, don't miss what I said. I'm not saying that every road is difficult, but I'm saying that every road is not easy. And here's why. Can I tell you why it's not easy? This is why. If every word, every road you took were easy, there would be no need to walk it with God. But here's what I've learned about our God is sometimes he likes to put a mountain right in front of the path he's calling to you, you to just to ensure that you can't walk it up alone. And so when you can't walk it up alone, then you'll begin to call out his name. And when you begin to call out his name, the two of you ascend to a height that you've never been before. The two of you go to a place in relationship that you've never, ever been before. 
So instead of whining, before you enter 2017 and start whining, well, my path, Craig has a, a mountain in front of it. Well, my path has a big valley in front of it. Listen, if God came to your house tonight, Sunday, January 1, he came to your house tonight, he knocked on your front door, and he said, tomorrow morning, you and me alone, Craig, we're going to walk up Stone Mountain. Maybe it's Kennesaw Mountain. You pick your mountain. I want two hours uninterrupted. You leave your phone here. Me and you, face to face, I want encounters with you tomorrow on the mountain. Me and you walking up the mountain. Two hours we're going to spend alone together. Would anybody in this room, if God came to you tonight face to face and said, hey, I'd like to climb a mountain with you, Stone Mountain, tomorrow morning, how many would say, I'm out, God. I'm not going to do it. I've already climbed that mountain, God. It makes my thighs burn, Jesus. My calves aren't ready for that. No, 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 you wouldn't do it. I don't like it, God. No, 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 you would never say that. Why? Because God personally invited you to climb the mountain. Let me tell you something this morning. Any mountain that God puts in your life in 2017 is a personal invitation on your front door for God to take you by the hand and descend to heights you've never been before. It's God inviting you personally. This is our Jesus, and this is the path he's calling us to walk. It's a personal invitation. Listen, Craig, how, how do I keep from keeping my eyes preoccupied with other people's path? How do I keep from not looking at their path and focusing on the path before me? Well, here's the secret. I'm gonna give you the secret, ready? Here's the secret for 2017, keeping your eyes focused on your own path. Proverbs chapter four, verse 25, 26, and 27. Notice what he says, powerful, powerful text. Look straight ahead. Everybody say straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you, not what lies before somebody else, not what lies before somebody else's marriage, not what lies before somebody else's path. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked. Stop staring so much at everybody else's steps. When you do that, it only ensures you're about to trip on your own path. You're about to trip. My feet are slipping. Pay attention to your own path. Here's the second problem we have with God's path for us. That's the first problem. Here's the second problem we are rejection. We have, we talk about re-examining and the, the path God's called us, a reset. Disagreement over direction. Disagreement over direction. Disagreement over direction. I'm talking about you and God disagreeing about direction. Now, I know I'm not preaching to anyone today, but let me, just, let me just meddle for a minute, all right? My firstborn son, his name is Knox Mosgrove. You know him very well. He's turning seven next week. He's six years old or six and, I don't know, seven-eighths. I don't know, maybe 11 twelfths. I don't know. You just do the math. But, and he'll, he'll do it for you, actually, if you just ask him, all right? So my son, he is, um, he's mini-me, y'all. He is mini-me. He's been mini-me since he came out of his mama's womb. I think God might have called him Craig 2.0 in the womb. I don't know. And um, he's a little bit of a know-it-all. Now, I was only a know-it-all when I was a kid, too. You know what I'm saying? But he's a little bit of a know-it-all, and he's very, 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 very high OCD in terms of things must go by the same pattern each day. Things must go by the same way, right? We noticed this before he was even one years old. And, and a couple of months ago, isn't it amazing how when you do get older, you get around wise people, you realize just how much you don't know? right? Well, apparently my son hasn't been around too many wise people because he still acts like he does know, all right? And so Knox, a couple of months ago, Knox and Marley was with me. We were here at the church. We've lived in our house almost a year now. It's in Canton. And every time we leave the church, 
one of Knox's favorite restaurants that he loves to eat at, and I love to eat at it too, is Panda Express. We love Chinese, we love Japanese. Now, right off the uh, exit nine there off of 575, there's a Panda Express next to McDonald's and Chick-fil-A. You all know where that's at there at the outlet malls. And that's the only Panda Express that we had gone to multiple times when we lived off Town Lake Parkway. So we moved up to Canton. And the way we go home from church is the same way every time. We take a right. We turn left right here on 92. We go all the way down. We take a right on 575 North. We take a right at exit 16. We take a left on the Marietta Highway. We take a right onto Highway 20, a left into the neighborhood. We take a right into the, the, the garage, right? My driveway. So it's always right, left, right, right, left, right, left, right. He knows that. And trust me, he knows that to a T. So a couple months back, we had moved into our new house and now he's here at the church with me one day. It was, I think it's one of our school ministry days and we get in the car and when we pull out of there, we take a right. Instead of taking immediate left, we go straight. Knox didn't allow three seconds to go by and he said, Daddy, what are you doing? Daddy, what are you doing? And he does this multiple times. He did this the other day to Meredith and I again. What are you doing? Daddy, you're going the wrong way, right? And so if he's going to be honorary, I'm going to be a little bit honorary. So I just said, I'm going to play around with this, all right? Let's just, let's just play this out a minute. I said, what do you mean I'm going the wrong way? He said, Daddy, you're, when you take a right, you're supposed to go left. The house is back that way. You go that way. And I said, are you serious? Now, listen, um, I have to admit, if there's, there are times in my life where I don't want to admit when I, I'm lost and don't know the directions. You know what I'm saying? Every man kind of has that problem probably. Maybe not. Gil says no. <laughs> Terrible, right? You say. But I do know the, the way from here to my house, right? I know that way. Knox apparently knew something I didn't know. He said, Daddy, you're going the wrong way. That's exactly what he said. So I kind of just played along. So what do you mean? He said, you're supposed to go left and go back the other way. Not go right, not go straight. And so I let it keep going, and I said, you're right. And I kept on going down 92 until I crossed over Trickham Road. And right there on the right, I pulled into Panda Express. And when I pulled into Panda Express that he didn't know was there at the time, that's his favorite restaurant, I, I'm pretty sure I may have said this. I know as a parent I probably said the wrong thing, but I may have said this. I may not have said this, but I may have said this. I looked at him in the back seat with Marley, and I said, listen, we've arrived at the right location, and anybody who thinks it's the wrong location can stay in the car while I go eat orange chicken and eat fried rice. And my son immediately wants to jump out and go eat some fried rice and some orange chicken. Knox thought he knew where we were going. What he didn't know is I was taking him somewhere he had never been before. Do you know how many times you get frustrated with God and you actually think you know the right way to go where God wants you to go? You think you know the right way where this movement's going? You think you know the right way of where this church plant's gonna take place? And you're sitting in the back seat arguing with a God who's piloting and the captain of your salvation? You're arguing with a God. You think you know where you're going? You think you know you're beginning from your end? You think you know you're the Alpha and Omega, and here you are in the backseat arguing with a God who's trying to take you somewhere you have never, ever been before. I've got news for you. If you've always know where you're go going, I got really bad news for you. If you always know where you're go going, you're, you're never going anywhere new. If you always know where you're going, maybe you're going to the same old well for far too long, and God's trying to give you 2017 to get you some water from a new place. Maybe you've been going for year after 
after year after year after year after same experience after same experience, and God's saying, hey, I'm the captain of your life and the shepherd of your soul, and I'm trying to lead you to a place you've never, ever been before. What if, I don't know, maybe it's crazy, but what if God wants to take you to a new place in 2017? And what if he wants to take you to somewhere you've never been before? And what if the only way you're going to get there is to surrender everything and follow him every single day? This is what it means to be a person of the Spirit, by the way. People of the Spirit don't know what tomorrow holds all the time. Paul didn't know being led of the Spirit. He just knew that tribulation awaited him in every city. There's times as the Spirit of God and people of God fill with his Spirit, we must hoist up the sails and let the wind of God blow us wherever he wills, wherever he pleases. And that means that we don't always know where we are going. You're, you, you don't. Can we just admit? You don't know where you're going. And therefore, you don't know how to get there. You know what my favorite picture in the Bible of this is? Noah, or Genesis 6, Noah. Think about this for a minute. God tells Noah to build a blueprint boat. And it's huge, folks. It's humongous. But if you read through this blueprint, go back and read through this blueprint. There's something very important to boats that's not on the ark. It's not on the ark. There's no steering wheel on this boat. How do you know that? Because I watched the movie. Maybe that was a little inaccurate to the Bible. In fact, a lot accurate. It looked like Transformers and the Bible came together. There is no steering wheel in the blueprint. Why? Simple. Noah didn't know where he's going. Therefore, he had no idea how to get there. Think how crazy it is to disagree with God over the direction of your life. You didn't choose your path. You didn't call yourself out of darkness. You didn't set before you your own desires. It's crazy to argue with God over the direction of your life when you don't even have a steering wheel. This is what it means to re-examine your path. I tell you why it's so crazy. Isaiah 55, this is why it's so crazy. Look at verse eight and nine. He says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, God speaking to you and me. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Can I prove to you that you don't always know where you're going? Can I prove this for a minute? Because there may, there may be, maybe somebody's got a little bit of objection to that. Well, let me, let me prove to you, you right now in your seat do not know where you're going. You ready? If you always knew where you were going, then your directional capabilities would be perfect. That means that his perfect, perfect directional capabilities are only equal to yours. But that's not what he said. He said, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That means you don't know where you're going, and he does know where you're going. If it, I can prove to you you don't know where you're going, because if you did know where you're going, you would have thoughts that are not, that are not lower than his thoughts. Your thoughts would be on the same level as his thoughts, but they're not, he tells you. They're lower than his thoughts. Therefore, he knows where you're going and you don't. He looks at you and says, I know where I'm going. My thoughts and my ways are higher than yours. Another way to say that is I always know where I'm going, Craig. You don't know where you're going, but you want to know, Craig? Here's what you do. You simply ask me and I'll show you. I'll lead you and I'll guide you. I'm not the type of father that tries to make my path a secret. I'm not the type of father that tries to make it a mystery about what I want you to do. No, he wants to make his path obvious to you in 2017. He wants his path to become very parent and very clear to you his path for your life to be obvious psalm 103 makes it even sound crazier for those of you who are backseat arguers with a front seat god right 
I saw somebody tweet a couple of days ago. They said, uh, in 2017, God is not your co-pilot. No, God's your pilot, and you're in the back on a gurney being resuscitated with oxygen tanks. He's not your co-pilot. He is your pilot, and he's leading, and he's guiding. This is who Jesus is. Let me tell you why it's so crazy to do this. Look at Psalm 103, verse 15. He says, our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows. We are gone as though we had never been here. Wow. But the love of the Lord remains forever (laughs) with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments. Look at verse 19. And the Lord has made the heavens his throne from there. That's his throne from the heavens. He rules over everything down here. He rules over everything down here. Let me ask you a question. Really, honestly. Did your path that you were walking on bring you eternal life? Let me ask you a question. Just, this is not rhetorical. I want you to ask it and answer it. Did your path that you were walking on lead and bring you eternal life? What's the answer? No. Only Christ's path did that. Isaiah 53, 6, look what he says. He says, each of us have ta- turned to our own way. This is what he says. Turn to our own way, Isaiah 53, 6. Each of us have turned to our own paths, but the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all upon him. You know what God said to me? God said, I know Craig is going to choose his own path. I know Craig's going to choose the wrong path. It's going to lead to death. Yet I will lay Craig's sin on my son in hopes that in February of 2002, Craig will abandon his road and walk down mine. This is his path. Think about this for a second. For those of you who argue with God over the directions, well, I think the path to marriage is this way. God says, no, your path to your marriage is actually this way. Well, I think that the path for this person's life is this way. God says, no, actually, the path for this person's life is that way. What is it that makes us think we know more than God and particularly know how to get there better than he can get us there? Jesus says something in the Scripture that totally lays this argument to rest for all eternity. John 14, verse 4, 5, and 6, this is what Jesus said. This is what a powerful, powerful statement he says. You gotta love Thomas. I've preached on this before, particularly if you're with us before relaunch. I preached on this in a message called It's Simply Jesus. Look at John 14, verse 4, 5, and 6. Notice what Jesus says. Powerful text. The Bible says that as he's about to depart, if we have it in front of us, that would be awesome. John 14, let me turn to it in the Bible. The Bible says as he was about to depart, Jesus looked at them and he says, You know the way to where we are going. And Thomas looks at him, and Thomas, you got to love him. He's very cerebral. Thomas looks at him. He says, no, Lord, we don't know the way you're going, and how would we know? And Jesus then responds to him, and he says to Thomas, he said, Thomas, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. Now, now hold on just a second. Do you know what that means? When Jesus says, 
I am the way. This is, just, this is not just important for your salvation. This is not just important for you to start following me. This is also important about the direction of the path I'm calling you to. So this is what Jesus says. I am the way. And that means the next time you and I find ourselves arguing with God over directions, God, I know the way. God, I know this situation. God says, no, no. He points at his son Jesus and says, Jesus is the way. You might think you know the way, but I actually am the way. And so, Craig, if you just keep your mouth closed, if you'd stop, uh, you'd stop summoning me and acting like you know where you're going and, and knowing the way, I'd like to take you to your favorite restaurant that you've never been to before, but you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to trust me. It's different than what is expected. Listen to me. You may be in this room and the devil has convinced you that God is not paying attention to you. Therefore, he knows not the best direction for your life, but I'm here to tell you that he made his son the way. Maybe we should stop trying to do everything our own way. How do I fulfill the ministry God's called me to? You keep following the way. There's nothing more to graduate to than following the way Jesus. We were sitting at my table last night for New Year's Eve with my five, my tribe. And Mayor started a family exercise of talking one thing that we want to improve or be more obedient in this next year. My whole family went and they got to me. I said very clearly, I'm going in 2017 back to the basics. That's my commitment. Walking with Jesus closer than I've ever walked and reading and falling in love with his word more than I've ever fell in love with his word. It's nothing to graduate. Jesus is the way. The way. Well, how do I get where I'm going? You follow Jesus. The way. The way. How do you minimize arguments with God about direction? Psalm 143, verse 8. This is what he says. This is the secret. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning. You want to stop arguing with God about directions? Pray this. Put this on your, uh, your mirror. For I'm trusting you. Show me where to walk. For I give myself to you. Wow, what a prayer. Show me to where to walk. One of the wisest things to do every morning of your life is wake up and say, God, show me yourself today and show me where to walk because I don't know where I'm going. I wonder what your everyday life would look like if every day of your life you started by saying to God, I have no idea where I'm going today. Show me where to walk. I have no idea what I'm doing and who I'm talking to at work today. Would you show me where to walk? Maybe we should stop trying to tell him where we want to walk and start trying to ask him daily where he wants us to walk. Second objection to his path for our lives is argument over direction. Thirdly and finally, the third objection we have, this is the one that hits home for most, and I'm going to spend my time here. The most frustrating objection we have when it comes to God's path for our lives is his frustratingly slow pace. His frustratingly slow pace. Have you ever felt like God was slow? Now, don't be churchy with me for a minute. I know it's 2017, and, and you want to be good and churchy on this first day of the, of the new year, but I need to see from you. How many of you be willing to say, at some point in your life, be honest, let me ask you, I want you to raise your hand, you've ever felt like God was slow? Come on, just raise your hand. You felt, okay, good, now I'm talking to the right people. Listen to me. I know we get frustrated with slow 
sometimes. I get frustrated with slow sometimes. My Marley girl, who is forced and sometimes be the slowest human on planet Earth. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about, parents? You open up the door for them to get out of their car seat. They've got nothing in their hands and are doing nothing. And it takes an eternity to them get out of their seat. And if you have a little stepping part, it's like once they get to there, it's like they're going to preach a message. They're there for three minutes before they even take the next step. They get off there, and they're ready for a crowd to come around, you know, in the parking lot of Walmart. I mean, they can be so unbelievably slow. Marley's so slow. And then she's got to do everything herself. No, no, no. I want to I unbuckle it. Okay, missus. I'm just trying, I'm soaking wet here, okay? The rain is pouring down on me. They don't make any umbrellas that come over the top of the half open door. The, the cup holder's got an inch of rain in it, and you're worried about buckling this thing. Move it on, girl. She's slow. And when I get frustrated, why do I get frustrated? Why do I get frustrated when she's slow? I'll tell you why. Because there is something in all of us that is in far too much of a hurry. If I were to find out some really bad news, God forbid, about my Marley girl tonight, and I took her to the store, and we got out at the store, grocery door is what she calls it. Don't ever correct her. Please never correct her. Grocery door is what she says. I hope she says it till she's 35. And we take her to the grocery door. If I were to find out bad news tonight, and I opened that door, and she took 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I'd say, babe, you take as long as you want. You take as long as you want. Which one of us would look wise in that moment? She would. And I would say, hey, babe, take your time. Let's just talk the whole way. I don't want to rush anything. Let's just talk. Can we, can we hang out together? Let's just, let's just engage one another. But see, every, when everything in our life is going our way, our way is always too fast. And here's how you know. This is how you know your way's always too fast. God created the heavens and earth. He's the creator God, El Elyon. He could have snapped his finger and made it happen in one day. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but let me just walk you down this path in a minute. God, who is God Almighty, could have snapped his fingers and all of creation could have been dead. He made it take six days. He made it take six days. Why did he make it? You thought about this? He made it take six days, and then on the seventh day, he gave you and me a weekly reminder that our world moves entirely too fast, entirely too fast that we walk in this thing called life. So we as humans are born with a predisposition to being frustrated with God's apparently slow pace. Let me give you a few scriptures right quick. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Notice what the Bible says. He says, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. That is depressing. Good news, Greg. And a thousand years like a day. Woo! You can preach that one. Write a book about that one. The Lord isn't really slow about his promise, as some people think. No. He's being patient for your sake. He's being patient for your sake, the Bible says. He doesn't want anybody to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. And we always only see that in context of salvation. But he said, I don't want anybody to be destroyed. Maybe God knows something we don't know. 
And maybe God is moving slowly on purpose today because he knows you can't clear tomorrow's hurdle with today's strength. My God, you need to write it down and tell your grandkids one day. I'm going to say that again because there's nothing I can give you better than that for today. Maybe God is moving slowly today because he knows that you can't clear tomorrow's hurdle with today's strength. And he knows you can't clear it because you're not strong enough to do it. Yeah. Another way to say it is this way. He has given you a chance to prepare and he did it by naming it today. He's given you a chance to prepare for the path that God has ultimately called you to by giving you the day you have before you. Listen, you can tell a lot about what someone believes God created them to do tomorrow by how they steward today. If they don't steward today well, they don't know that God's created them for anything great tomorrow. If you steward today well, you know that God's called you for something amazing tomorrow. This is how you know whether people are ready for the path that really God has for them. But see, we would actually like to get to a place where we get more frustrated about the slow pace and we sit on our hands and argue and whine to God rather than doing something that requires pace. We'd rather sit down and gripe with God than get up and run. Let me just tell you where I'm at in my own life and my family's life and where I feel like we are as a church. God knew. God knew. God knew. Here's your, here's your confession. There are some things you can't handle tomorrow, Craig. So I'm giving you a gift, and I'm calling it today. And here's one of the best, best things that I can tell you, but I hate to admit it. Some of the slowest seasons of my life with Christ, some of the slowest seasons of my life in ministry happen because I couldn't handle a faster pace. I thought I could, but I couldn't. We've had an interesting three months. Someone asked me again yesterday, a pastor friend called me and asked me. I said, well, I'm not going to say it's challenging, right? There's nothing worse than watching people get on Facebook and complain about 2016 being bad with a $599 iPhone. You know what I'm saying? They do it on a $599 iPhone. Well, 2016 was horrible. We need some global perspective. Okay? But this has been a challenging. This has been adversity for our family. And people say, what is the last three months like? I sat down with my wife. We took our kids to a movie with grandparents on Friday. And um, this third one here doesn't talk yet, so it's still like date night when she comes along. And so we went and sat down at a restaurant. And I began to tell Meredith, my time spent with the Lord Thursday particularly, and then all, all morning, Friday morning, what God began to share with me. God began to give me a lot of clarity. And I feel like over the last three months, really the last probably six months of the life of our individual lives, but also the life of our other co-pastors and then our church, is that we've been going after hurdle after hurdle, explaining the hurdles after hurdles. And what God is doing in those hurdles is building strength, building strength. And I feel like at this point in life, there are times where sometimes I ran the 110-meter hurdles in high school. You can't get a faster, as fast a time as you can in a 100-meter sprint because every few yards you're having to pick up your feet. And there are times where you'll run 100 yards and then pick up a hurdle. When we hit about November, we started getting hurdles about every three feet. And if you've tried to hit hurdles every three feet, you totally slow down. And here's what happened. Not only did my life, our family slow down, I got really frustrated with God while it was slowing down. And because we slowed down and our leaders slowed down, the church, I felt in the last three months, slowed down more than it did in the first six months of this last year. And you say, Craig, do you get frustrated? 
frustrated with that? Do you whine and complain to God? No. I just understood that if God called it to go at a faster pace, we would not be able to clear tomorrow's hurdles with today's strength. And God knows that, and he doesn't want you to be destroyed. So he puts hurdles back to back to build some strength. And the quicker God's path is becoming on your life, then you've got to get ready for some hurdles because there's going to be some strength. There's going to be strength built. Your calves are going to get stronger. Your legs are going to get stronger. And when you face those hurdles, I tell you, I feel like I'm coming out of the block. And if there's ever a time I'm ready to run, I've never been more excited about ministry than I am in this year. And I'm ready to run. And I want to say prophetically to us as a community, let's run. Let's run 2017. Let's run to the community. Let's run and see the kingdom agenda for Dwelling Place Church in this movement move forward. I know there's times where God asks us to hurdle and hurdles, but there's also times where God says, I'm going to put you out in a pasture and it's time to run. And if there's a time to run, it's time now that we run. And when God puts another hurdle, it's so God builds strength because there's greater hurdles in the future. Do you know how much better you'll sleep when you can admit to God that you're grateful of how slow it is because if he sped up the pace, you'd get thrown off the bus. I've often thought there are people on our own team and our team leaders that if the bus started going faster, they'd get thrown off. And so God's desire is for them to stay on the bus so that the body and the whole bus slows down so that they can get stronger so they don't get left behind and sometimes we never recognize that it's not just about one leader it's about us as a community learning how to build strength with each hurdle that God places on our path so what we can't do is we can't we can't whine what we got to do is we got to get liberated enough to say God thank you for slowness and when you get to that place then all of a sudden you recognize man I would be off the bus a long time ago if God sped this thing up I would have been off way, way back. God moves slowly because of patience. We don't like that word patience, do we? I want to give you a final few verses before we close. Look what the scripture says. Hebrews chapter 6, 11, and 12. Powerful, powerful text. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience. Everybody say faith and patience. Inherit the promise. Faith and patience always go together. They'll never not go together. Faith and patience inherits the promises. Hebrews 10, 36, look what he says in the New Living Translation. Patient endurance is what you need now. We don't like that verse. So that you will continue to do God's will. If you're patient and endurance, then, everybody say then. Then you will receive all that he has promised. You receive all that he's promised after patient endurance. Psalm 37 and verse 7, David's great psalm. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. I want to ask you an important question. And you need to answer this question. You ready? You got to answer this question before you go to bed tonight. Don't answer it now. I'm not asking for an answer now. In fact, I don't want you to answer it now. But before you go to bed tonight, when you lay down, maybe your own devotional time, whatever, I want you to answer this question. Ready? Here's your homework. Here's your question. What is more important to you? The Bible says, go back to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, verse 7. Look what it says. Wait patiently for him to act. Here's the question. What's more important to you? That God acts on your behalf or when God acts on your behalf? If the when is more important to you than the that, 
You're gonna fall asleep frustrated every day of your life and you can say you're frustrated with God, but you're not, you're frustrated with yourself because patience is not a God problem, it's a you problem. If you, if you were able to be the person he wanted you to be right now, then you would already be on the path that he's called you to. So it's not frustration with God. Are you more concerned that God acts on your behalf or when God acts on your behalf? It's not because God can't burst through the wall. It's that whenever he moves slowly, it's because anything faster, you wouldn't be able to handle it. You wouldn't be able to handle it. So rather than get frustrated about how slowly God's moving, why don't we wake up every day in 2017 and try to run a little bit faster than we did the day before? A little bit more strength than we did last year. As the man comes, I want to end with the final passage, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, 2, and 3. I love this passage. It's so incredibly powerful. Habakkuk chapter 2, the great prophet, speaks to us as he speaks to the nation of Israel in their return and the restoration of Israel after Babylonian captivity. And I want you to read with me Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, 2, and 3. This is what he says. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. He said, this vision, this vision I've given you is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. Look what he says. If it seems slow, notice that if it seems, if it's apparent that it's slow and coming, wait patiently. For it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Here's what you need to hear. God has a path for you. Every person in this room and this church corporately. God has a path for you that no one else in America, the world for that matter, gets to walk on, run on. It's a path for you. And if it seems, listen to me, focus in. If it seems like one of the dreams he's put in your heart years ago or months ago, didn't matter time. If it seems that one of the dreams in your heart he has put there have been slow to be realized, I have good news for you. You can do something about the pace. It's called preparation. Preparation. That's why this series is called The Reset. To re-examine your path and to prepare for the path that he's laid before you. The more I prepare today, the more I'm ready to run with tomorrow. Make the vision plain that others might run with it. And what God began, God's faithful to complete. Would you bow your heads with me all across this room? Father, I thank you for the precious, the precious Holy Spirit who is here. That God, you're calling some in this congregation, this community to walk a path that seems to be untraveled. It's great Robert Frost said, the path less traveled. Maybe it's a path of ministry, a path of calling, a path of vocation, a path of desire, a path of relationship that seems to be so daunting and intimidating. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help him to see that every highway created in Scripture first began as a small trail. 
The small trail became a path. The path became a road. The road became a highway. When you start a work, Holy Spirit, you start it with a trail. And though it seems daunting, and so at times, God, we feel like we're alone, though at times we seem that, seems to us that, Lord, there's no one, that even you sometimes, God, we get confused or buy into the lie of the enemy that, Lord, you've lost sight. You've lost the GPS tracker on our lives. The enemy of our souls has convinced us you don't know where you are. I pray that we would be reminded that, Jesus, you said you are the way. And that every day of our lives in 2017, I pray for each person in this room would wake up and make the psalmist their prayer that, God, we would say to you, we know not where we're going. Would you show us, show, to, show unto us, Lord, your unfailing love and show us where to walk. For those of us who are facing circumstances that are way beyond our control, relationships that are frayed, those who are close to us that still don't know you, promises we have yet to see realized in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name that we would not grow weary, but God, we would continue to walk in the path you set before us, that we would focus straight ahead, that we would get our eyes off of the preoccupation with other people's paths that are easier and prettier, that we would look again to what you've laid before us and understand that you are the good shepherd of our souls, that you lead us in paths of right righteousness for your name's sake, that God, you've led us to this point and you will not leave us nor forsake us. You're going to lead us into the destiny, the footsteps of Jesus Christ for each of our lives. And though we sometimes go through the squeeze, sometimes things are ripped from us, Lord, help us to recognize that in your truth, God, the further we go with you, the less we can take, that there are things that we have to get rid of and sacrifice, but God, in the end, we get you. And whatever you said, God, we ask in your name, we shall receive. That's what you said to your disciples. May we be encouraged enough to, to recognize that the way before us is not always pleasant. Some of us in this room this year, I, I hate to say it, but the reality is some, the Spirit of God may be calling to a road of suffering. And yet Jesus is faithful to follow and to walk right along that. Others of you are going to face insurmountable mountains this year, but... But I got good news for you. You can start the brand new year saying, Jesus, I accept it as a personal invitation for you and I to climb this together, for you and I to ascend to heights we've never been to. Others of you, you're going to go into a great season of prosperity and blessing. I can't. I wish this pastor could promise you all that. I can't promise you that. That sets you up for, for wrong expectation and disappointment, and then you'll dismiss preachers and God's word altogether. But what I can say is that Jesus Christ will journey step by step, hand in hand. What does the Lord require of you? To love justice, to seek mercy, and to walk humbly with our God, he said in Micah 6, 8. Why are we walking humbly, Pastor Craig? Because God reaches down from heaven and takes his marvelous, all-creative hand and puts your hand in his. He says, let's journey together. Let's journey together. Father, stir your people today for the, the path that you've called us to. Lord, even corporately, God, may we recognize and realize with great fruitfulness we declare over this year that you would crown this year with your favor, that our past, he said in Psalm 65, would drip with abundance. Some of you take that as a prophetic promise. Lord, let my paths drip with abundance. If you're in this room and you say, Craig, that's me. I want to start off by re-examining my path to look ahead at what God's called me to do. And I want to run like I've never run before. Would you stand with me across this room? You know what? Some of you, you feel like you're running alone because you got a spouse that maybe is not running next to you. I pray that as the pace maybe is slowed at times and tedious, that, that even though you're pulling the weight, you would recognize today that Jesus promises to yoke himself to you. He yokes himself to you and says, learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. 
This is our Jesus. Again, thanks so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. God bless you.